The end. What's up? She was lying, totally lying. I wasn't doing anything over there trying to mess her up. Man, we're so glad you joined us, and I know many of you will continue to watch through the week. So if you're tuning in now live or this week, we just we want to thank you. Um, there's a lot of choices, a lot of options right now um, to, to live stream and do multiple services. So those of you who tuned in uh, to Upper Room here, we, we thank you. This is definitely different for us. I've never been uh, like a TV type uh, preacher, so it's certainly different, but we're, we're just very grateful for the technology, grateful for what the Lord's done through the week. There's so many ways for, for kids can, to connect, and Nicole and I do a midweek gathering and some other things, so this week we're going to have that worship live. I, I feel that we have a mandate on our, on our lives. As, as believers, it's not just a mandate, it's an opportunity, but Second Chronicles 7, 14 through 16 it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And it says, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually now, I just feel that we have this mandate to, to, to pray, and like Nicole said, even to repent, and, but also this mandate on, on this house, on this ministry, to worship. And one of the things we spoke about last week was being able to worship, being able to praise, even in a storm, even through trial and circumstance and hardship. It's one thing we won't get to do in heaven. So Tuesday night, we're going to be live streaming a worship and prayer service. Uh, it was going to be a special Holy Week service, so we'll still do communion and some other things. But Tuesday, 6.30, join in. This is this call to prayer, this call to worship, this call to go deep with the Lord and just, just be our first ministry to him. Our first ministry should be unto him. My next ministry is my home, my marriage, my kids, and then everything else is the overflow of Christ in me. So my first ministry isn't pastoring up a room or, or family legacy ministries. That's not my first ministry. My first ministry is unto the Lord. And uh, I, I love the Lord and, and just want to give him my first fruits, do my first works with him. So this Tuesday, join in. So we, we have a, it's been a fun week. Uh, sunburn never felt so good. So we stayed outside and worked and mulched and just did things around the house. And, and I'll be honest, I'm, my neck, back of my neck is so red and my arms. And, but sunburn has never felt so good. It felt good just to get out and the weather was amazing. So we hope you got out too and enjoyed the weather. I know today's not as good here in Ohio, uh, but we, I think the rain's supposed to stop soon. But there's a few things that happen between basically just before the triumphant entry. Today's Palm Sunday. Traditionally, you know, it's, it's us celebrating, acknowledging the triumphant entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I know this week, Emily and the Kids Connection video that she released, uh, they came to our house and they, they stole our car. And they were reenacting uh, basically Jesus telling the disciples to take a donkey. You know, you'll see a donkey tied up there, take it. And uh, so she's driving off in my car and they're getting all this on video. And then they basically say, we're like, are you stealing my car? And she's like... The Lord told me the Lord needs it. So essentially in that story, they're like, if anybody says anything, just tell them the Lord sent you and the Lord needs it. So I'm sure that would work with police officers and, and those who, if they catch you stealing a car, the Lord told me to. So anyway, it was this fun thing, but there's this interesting story and there's this, this couple things that happen between like Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry and the resurrection. 
And there's some events surrounding that and right before and right after that that go into the Passover and go into the Last Supper and the things in the Garden of Gethsemane. And today I wanted to focus just on a couple of those. One being Lazarus being raised from the dead and also the fig tree that Jesus cursed. So I'm going to be in my word and and the the story of, of Lazarus is in John 11. And before I get there, like... This triumphant entry, this is a beautiful symbolism, and and I think it's important that we know what Palm Sunday is and the significance of palm branches. The other thing that they laid on the streets and the stories and the Gospels, you can find it, is they also laid cloaks. And these were were their coverings and also their prayer cloths. And many of them, uh, of the prayer cloths, they had said on them, on on the trim, it said, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. So as they begin to lay these in the streets and they begin to lay palm branches in the streets, it was very symbolic. First off, it takes the palm tree 30 years to bear fruit. And in that day and in that time, that culture, you had to be 30 years old to be considered a high priest. So here they're laying palm branches that, that represent purity. They represent victory. It was, they would use palm leaves and palms to, to honor royalty. So they begin to lay these palm branches on the streets, and they begin to lay their cloaks, signifying that that they're honoring Jesus as the high priest. They're also laying their prayer cloths on the streets, honoring him as Messiah, and, and giving him and saying that he is the Lord of lords, he is the King of kings. So they're beginning to to take this honor and this respect and lay them across the street as Jesus makes his entry, known today in our culture as as Palm Sunday. It's very significant, very symbolic, and very uh, amazing to know that they of that time were honoring Jesus Christ as Messiah and welcoming them into not only their streets, not only into their city, but their hearts. They were acknowledging him as Messiah. Us today as well are honoring him and welcoming him into our hearts, your, our hearts, your homes as Messiah, that he will be Lord of lords in our home. He will be Lord of lords in our marriages. He will be Lord of lords in our workplaces or, or the king of kings. Like we're in this royal family and, and he is the king of kings. Who are the kings? We're sons and daughters. That makes us kings, princes and princesses. He is the king of kings. We're in this royal family. Family, and we have an inheritance of heaven, as we spoke about a couple weeks ago. So we get into the story of Lazarus in John 11. And there's some, there's some important things to note here. The power of the spoken word, the power of declaration, the power of speaking to things that aren't as if they are. Now, there's a difference of faith and denial. And, and that difference is sometimes if we deny the diagnosis, we deny the need for a miracle, Listen, cancer, God is not afraid of cancer. God is not afraid of the coronavirus or COVID-19. God is not afraid of your financial situation or, or your business issue right now. He's not afraid of that. When the Lord starts to get panicked, that gives us permission to get panicked, but he's not panicked. He's, he's walking in peace. He's, he is the hope of the world. He's the hope of this situation. So in this, sometimes we we get faith and denial mixed up, like whose report will you believe? I will not believe that I have cancer. Well, uh, in doing that, sometimes that's denial because just because we get a diagnosis doesn't mean God's still not a healer. Just because we get a diagnosis or we we get an issue or a virus or these things doesn't mean that God's still not a healer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's a healer. So if we deny the diagnosis, at times we're denying the need for a miracle. And that diagnosis, no matter how severe, how bad it is, Jesus is still a way maker. He's still a miracle worker. He's still a healer. And he is not afraid of a diagnosis. 
So we get to this story with Lazarus, and Lazarus was, was a dear friend of Jesus. They were very close. And we get to this thing, and, and Mary, they're coming to Jesus, and they said, listen, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And this is found in John 11, and you can read it on your own. I'm just going to paraphrase and go through a few scriptures. But it says, when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness, sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Listen, he was seeing something, and, and then he goes on to say, he's not sleeping, he's, he's dead. He's not, he's not ignoring the diagnosis. He says, but he will not die. As we fast forward through the story, and we just go just a few, few verses further, the power of the declaration, the power of him saying, he will not die, this will not end in death. Then he goes on in verse 14, it says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe, come Let's go see him. Listen, Jesus is not afraid of a coronavirus. Jesus is not afraid of a diagnosis or a sickness or even death. Jesus was not afraid to face crucifixion. He wasn't afraid. He's not afraid of our sin, our death to sin. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid to get messy. He's not afraid to dig in your dirt. He's not afraid. We at times, we may be afraid. But Jesus, he's not. He's, he's resting in the boat. He's at rest at the Father's house. He's resting and interceding on our behalf next to the Father in heaven. He's, he's not afraid of this. So he's saying, no, he's not sleeping. He's dead. But I'm glad I wasn't there because you're about to witness something amazing. I believe that's the storyline that's still happening today, that's happened in my life, that I was dead. I was dead to sin. I was dead in life, but now I'm alive in Christ. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation because Jesus took something that was dead, and he breathed life into me. He breathed the story. He breathed the testimony into me, and he's doing it to you, and he's done it with you. You have a story. You're, you're here today. You're watching today, wherever that is. No matter your circumstance, no matter where you've been or how long you've been there, you're here today, and I'm here to tell you that he's not afraid of your dirt. He's not afraid of your mess. When the woman was caught in adultery in the Bible, Jesus got down, and he dug in the dirt. He dug down. Listen, he's not afraid to dig in our dirt and dig in our mess and dig in our shame and remove it. He's not afraid. I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm not, I'm not fully the man that God's called me to be. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not without blemish, but I'm becoming like him in his image, and I'm in process. I hope that encourages you because even though I might have this title of preacher, pastor, or whatever, I've got a lot of titles. And, but, but listen, it doesn't matter because I'm in process. We, we were talking in our, in our weekly gathering this week on Facebook Live. We were talking like, we give permission to people around us. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be a little worried right now. It's okay to be, have some fear right now. It's okay. You just can't stay there. And you know that the source of hope, the source of peace, the source and the solution to all of this is Jesus Christ. I want to move on here. We get into the story. I really want to focus on the fig tree we get into this story, and, and then we go on to verse 23, and it says, your brother will rise. Again, a declaration. There is desperation here. And sometimes between a declaration and a demonstration is desperation. 
And I know that some of us, we're, we're, we're declaring things. We're desperate, but we need a demonstration in our life. We need a demonstration in our finances right now. We need a demonstration in our health right now, affected by this, in our fear right now. We need a demonstration in our business right now. I'm here to tell you that God is a God of the universe who created everything from nothing. He can do this. He's got your back. He's got your business. He's got your family. He's got your heart. He's got your emotions and your feelings in his hands. He's got the whole world. Whether you're, you're from St. Lucia viewing in right now or Mexico or Costa Rica or Norway, like he's got your back and he's got your community. He's got your nation in his hands and he's loving and he's kind and he's a good father. We come to verse 40 and it says, Jesus responded. He responds to our cry. He responds to our petition. He responds to our ask. Ask anything in his name. It says he'll do it. And it says, Jesus responded. Did I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Jesus all along is interceding on our behalf, on your behalf. And it says, you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that you will believe that they, they will believe that you sent me. Then he goes on. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come forth. And he goes on to say, and the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes. He was dead for four days. And Jesus is calling things that aren't as if they are. Lazarus, arise. He just spoke to the situation. He didn't beg. He didn't, he didn't ask or, or feel like he wasn't worthy. He just said, Father, thank you. Thank you that I can give a demonstration. He responded. And it says, Lazarus, come forth. And it says, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I believe that's the storyline still today. I believe that's the storyline for this virus. I believe it's the storyline for our situations, your personal situations. Maybe your life that has nothing to do with the coronavirus right now. Maybe there's other situations that were festering and going on before this ever came about. Jesus responds. We get into the next story, the fig tree. This is found in a couple different gospels, but I'm going to focus on Matthew 21, 18 through 22. It was good symbolism here, and I want to I go through it just for a moment. Matthew 21. It says this, In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside. Now, now here's what was happening. There was Lazarus being raised from the dead. There was a triumphant entry. There was a, a position in time there, right around there, where he cleansed the temple. All right, and he's going back and forth from Jerusalem to Bethany. And, and then at this moment, he curses a fig tree. So if you can imagine, he says he was hungry. So he's seeing this fig tree, and he's, he's approaching it. And it says that he was returning to the city, became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. This is him cursing the fig tree. In verse 20, it says, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Listen, he cursed this fig tree. Now, there's some interesting points here. 
That figs and fig trees represent prosperity and peace. They represent well-being and security. You know, they also represent, and they're often indicated, the health of a nation. And, and here's what happens is this fig tree was even out of season. But Jesus is the God of the impossible. He makes, he makes impossible things possible. He takes zeros and makes them heroes. And, and this is what, what he's doing. He's making something that's impossible possible. And I believe that's a message to every believer and every person that's received Jesus is that we can do the impossible. That Jesus through us can do the impossible. He can heal deaf ears and blind eyes and, and cancer and COVID-19. He can heal marriages. He can heal financial situations and businesses and economies. He is in the business of miracles. So here he comes to this fig tree out of season and he curses it for not bearing fruit. It withers up and it dies. And here's, here's some things. I believe that there's, this, there's this, some meaning here, some symbolism. Now this is just as Jesus before he goes to the cross. This is before the crucifixion and this is one of the last miracles that he does, tangible miracles on the earth. And I believe it's symbolic because the first time we see mention of a fig tree is in the garden with Adam and Eve. The first time, it was the third tree mentioned in all of history. There was the two trees in the garden, and it mentions when they fell to sin and they covered themselves with fig leaves. Now, that was a symbolism of shame. They used they were naked. They were free. They were absolutely in freedom in the garden. They were in paradise, in love with the Father. All of a sudden, sin enters. Temptation enters their lives, and Adam and Eve fall to the temptation. They begin to listen to a source outside of the Father. They begin to question themselves and their own identity of who and whose they were, and they fall to sin. And all of a sudden, God says, who told you this? Who, who said that all of this was possible? God, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a question, where are you, wasn't a question of, of geographical position. It was a question of intimacy. Where's your heart? He says, where are you? God knows. God knows where we are. God knows our heart. God knows our thoughts. Sometimes that's why we say it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be real. It's okay to be transparent. It's okay to be real with your feelings and actually get them out. I encourage people, sometimes if you have a frustration, like get it out with the Lord. Like, like have it out. He knows what you're thinking, what's on your heart anyway. So he asked them in the garden when they mess up. They, he says, where are you? That was a question of intimacy and relationship and connection and emotional heart-to-heart -heart connection, not position. So then it says they covered themselves with fig leaves. Now, to this point, they were naked and free and felt no shame. All of a sudden, sin comes in and shame tries to cover that up. It was the fig leaves that were used for that. So I believe there's symbolism that one of the first things mentioned in the Bible becomes one of the last acts of miracles before Jesus goes to the crucifixion and the cross and the resurrection. So he's going to this crucifixion to forgive all sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I can have a right place in heaven and be eternally forgiven And as far as the east is to the west. And he buries our sins in the bottom of an ocean floor. This is a great story. This is, this is victory. And then he conquered death, hell, and a grave and resurrected. And, and now we get to resurrect as we ask him in our heart. And we too become believers. All of a sudden, we're resurrected from the dead. Well, here's what's happening. He's cursing a fig tree because it's withered and it's out of season. 
Listen, the Bible says we're actually supposed to be ready in season and out of season. We're supposed to bear fruit all of the time. We sometimes say, well, it's a season of this. It's a season of that. It's okay to go through seasons, and when we go through seasons, we grow. That's been the last couple weeks of how do we grow in this? How do, we, how do we grow deeper in the Lord? How do we grow in character? How do we grow in worship in hard times? And I, and I get that. But at times, we tend to lean back on seasons and lean back on seasons saying, well, it's just a season of rest. It's a season of this. And many times, we're here saying, come, Jesus, come. Come into this situation. When he's already came and he's saying, go, people, go. So here there's this meaning of, of, of national health of a nation and, and peace and prosperity. That's what a fig represents. It also became a covering with shame. So as Jesus begins to curse this fig tree, he's cursing everything that it's not bearing fruit in. Your life was never meant to bear fruit from shame. It was meant to bear fruit from the freedom of Christ, the freedom of his love, the freedom of the cross, the freedom of the resurrection. And when we're not bearing that fruit and bringing the joy to the people around us and the source of hope, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So all of a sudden, he removes the shame. He removed it. He not only forgives the sin, he removes the shame. Many of us, we go walking around in the shame. We go walking around, and sin will take us somewhere. But shame will oftentimes keep us there. It's easy for us to wrap our minds around how Jesus went to the cross and, and was crucified for our sin. But then it's hard because we still carry this guilt that we're not good enough. We're not worthy. We're not lovable. We're not, we're not more than overcomers. Well, the word says different. God says different about you. He calls things that aren't as if they are. He sees destiny, not just your history. There's a reason that your rearview mirror is so much smaller than your windshield because it matters where you're going, not where you came from. And I'm here to tell you right now that God has big plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to prosper you, plans for a hope, plans for a future. And there might be some things in our lives that, that have come against us. Shame is things that are attached to us that we may not even have done ourselves. It may have been a hurt that happened to us. It may have been an abuse that happened to us. It may have been something that somebody did against us that caused shame to come in my life that I didn't even have anything to do with. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus not only went to the cross for your sin, he went there for your shame so that you can walk in freedom, you can walk in hope, and you can walk in the eternal life that he's called you to walk in, heaven on earth here, as it was intended in the garden. Let me, let me finish here. Adam, you can come up. Jesus, he brings dead things back to life. I feel that this was fitting as I was going into the word this week and, and refining some of this message I believe this was fitting in the Song of Songs in 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up in the season. The singing birds have come. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of winter. I'm so excited spring is here. I, I, I open the windows at night or I go walk out to my car to go to work in the morning and I hear birds chirping. It's still dark out and I, I hear these birds. I hear them coming to life and, and I hear and I see the flowers. We see daisies and we're starting to see the tulips start to blossom and yesterday we were replanting and transplanting things and we're seeing grasses come up and daylilies come up. I believe this is a message of a season like it's time for a new season. It's time that, that COVID-19 has to die. 
so that new things can come to life. It's time that a recession has to die. It's time that divorce has to die. It's time for some of these things going in in our lives and your lives and your home has to die so that new things can come to life. Listen, winter is past, springtime's here. It goes on to say that the flowers are springing up, the season of singing birds have come, and the cooing of turtle doves fill the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. You have to bear with me. I get emotional when I feel the presence of Jesus. When I was an atheist, I hadn't cried in years. And, and anytime I feel his presence, my, my, my transformation came to say, God, if you're real, prove it. I want to cry. Prove it, Lord. I, if you're real, I want a tangible encounter. I want you to respond. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, it said he responded. When I cried out, Jesus, if you're real, I want to feel you. I want an encounter. I want to cry. I want to feel a tangible presence. He responded. And he said, Aaron, come forth. He's saying to you right now, come forth. He's saying, arise. He's saying these things to you, arise. I'm here to tell you, he is responding to your heart's cry. Even if you don't voice it. Even if you're not crying out loud in this moment in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, in your kitchen, you know, he's, he's responding and something's happening right now. Something is shifting and the winter has passed and the springtime is here. And it says the fig trees are forming young fruit. Sorry. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Psalms 96 one says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Revelations 21.5 says, and the one sitting on the throne says, look, I'm making all things new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He is truth and he's responding. Proverbs 13.12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. He's cursing withered trees. He's cursing unfruitful trees. Things like shame and things like fear. He's cursing them so that they bear fruit and they come to life. Even if they're out of season. Even if they don't fit in. David didn't fit in in the family. David wasn't even at the table. But Jesus, he needed a king. God needed a king, and he says, there's still one missing, and he called David to the table. He's calling you to the table right now. He is responding to your heart's cry. I don't know if you feel it from wherever you're watching from. Maybe you're at work, and you're watching. Whatever nation you're watching from, whatever home you're watching from, but I feel a, a heavenly response from God right now, responding to your heart's cry. There's been dead things in your life, withered up things, things you've prayed for, things you've asked for that haven't come to pass yet. Prophetic words of your life that you haven't seen fulfilled yet. I'm here to give you a declaration, a promise, a, a, a prophecy that they are coming to life. The fig trees are gonna bear fruit again, even if it looks weird, even if you don't think you're, you're, you're the, the best or the, the right one or, or that isn't the right timing. He's bringing dead things to life. Just like he raised Lazarus from the dead and he, and he cursed a fig tree when it was out of season. He's bringing dead things to life. And we, we as sons and daughters and beloved children of the King of Kings and the, the greatest father on this planet, he wants us to bear fruit.
not just to reach others, but the fruit of the fulfillment in us. He wants his beloveds to have his love, to have the connection with him, to be loved by him, to be in love with him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's been a few times where he really brought dead things to life in the Bible, some other stories, and like Abram to Abraham, and Jacob to Israel, and Saul to Paul. There's many times where he took a martyr like Saul and made him into a Paul with an encounter on the road to Damascus. Saul was a, was a dead man walking, but Paul became an apostle, an amazing man of God. David, even though he messed up and you think he wouldn't deserve it, he still, God honored his heart because he had a heart after his own heart. He had a heart of worship. He had honor, and he was God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. I want to just pray for you, wherever you are. And maybe, maybe like that day, maybe you're just, you're laying out cloaks and you're laying out palm trees and you're having this revelation that Jesus is actually Messiah right now. I'm telling you what, in your life, if this is the first encounter that you've had, if this is the first moment that you're accepting Jesus into your heart and acknowledging that, yeah, he died for my sins, he died for my mess, he died for my mistakes, he is bringing dead things to life, and you're a new creature in Christ. You are a new creation. All things are dead in our past, and now he's, you're a new creation. Or maybe there's things and situations in your life where, where they become dead or dormant. I'm here to tell you that sometimes those winter seasons are the hardest to get through. These seasons like this, this hardship, are hard to get through. Sometimes it's the most fertile season that we can have. In the winter, the ground shifts and freezes and thaws. And what happens is the seeds that were planted or dropped from trees or, or, or the, the, the regeneration process, they get into the ground. And what happens is nitrogen and the leaves cover them up. They become nitrogen and fertilizer. And what happens is those seeds get worked into the ground in a winter season to where when springtime comes, they have a good establishment and a root system that grows when it's time. Maybe that's you. You've been dormant. You've been in a hard season. There's, there's been hardship even before these last few weeks. Or maybe right now, this is just, you don't know where to turn. I'm telling you what, Jesus is bringing dead things to life, whatever that is for you. Maybe it's reconciliation in a relationship with your, your, you and your family or a family member. Maybe it's, it's marriage. Maybe, it's, maybe God's healing your marriage and it's, it's kind of withered up and it's not bearing fruit. Even if it's out of season, even if you think it's done, God's bringing dead things to life and he's speaking to things that aren't as if they are. There's something between a declaration and a demonstration and sometimes it's desperation. I know right now there's so many people going through hard things and, and there is a desperation, there's a longing for a source of a solution. And I'm here to tell you, it's not in a bailout. It's not in a government. It's not in medical systems. The greatest bailout, the greatest solution, the greatest answer to any of our problems is Jesus Christ. It's an eternal solution. I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for breakthroughs. I'm thankful for assistance and getting through these hard times. I'm obviously thankful for that. But the eternal solution, the things that will never fade away, the things that will never rust or, or get decrepit or, or go by the wayside is Jesus our assurance in him is Messiah. So I'd love to just pray for you. Wherever you are, 
I'm praying that dead things come to life. I'm praying that even in in unfruitful seasons, there's fruit. Even in these droughts and these dry seasons, these winter seasons, things will be fruitful in your life and the people around you and the people you get to reach. So wherever you are, just, just, just receive. Just put your hands out like this. Wherever you're watching from, just put your hands on. I just want to bless you and pray for you. God, we thank you that that you raise dead things to life. We thank you that you bring dead things back to life. That you are the resurrecting Christ. You did resurrect and you do resurrect dead things to life. Anybody who believes in you is no longer dead but alive for eternity with you, Jesus. I thank you that you're calling us to be fruitful. I thank you that you demonstrate who you really are. You respond to our desperation. You respond to our declaration with a demonstration, God. I thank you, Jesus, that that you're calling things aren't as if they are. I thank you that you see us the way that you've called us for a destiny. I thank you that you don't hold our wrongs against us or my mistakes against us. You forgive us. That you are loving. You are kind. You are generous. You are merciful. You are gracious. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Lord, I welcome you into my heart right now. We ask forgiveness. We repent, Jesus, and we turn away from the things that we've made it, from the things we've been a part of. And we receive your forgiveness. We receive your love, Jesus. We receive your unconditional love. You're a good father. You're a Messiah. You're a healer. You're a way maker. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for a tangible encounter the way that you need it. I needed a tangible encounter. Just like I read with Lazarus, Jesus responds to your heart's cry. Maybe you've not seen something here. Maybe you have children that aren't serving the Lord. Maybe maybe your marriage looks desolate. Maybe it looks like that withered up, that unfruitful fig tree. Jesus is calling it to life to bear fruit. Maybe you need an encounter. Maybe you need to feel the love of Jesus. Maybe you need to feel the the power of Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you, I want to pray for an encounter. I want to pray that Holy Spirit fills your house right now. That Holy Spirit fills your car right now. That he fills your heart all the way to the point of overflow that our cups will run over. So again, just hold your hands out. Lord, I ask for an encounter a holy encounter, the way that we need it, whether that's a blanket of peace that that kicks out all fear, that your perfect love casts out all fear, whether that's, that's a Holy Spirit encounter, whether that's the baptism of your spirit, the baptism of your love, of your forgiveness, God. I pray for an encounter right now. I pray that emotions that we've suppressed and held down will come out, God, and we're free, that you remove shame right now. You remove shame and guilt from even the sins and the things that we did or that were done to us, God. We pray for a holy encounter right now in every every screen, every tablet, every device, every television right now. Just come in, Holy Spirit, blow on us right now. Breathe in our lungs, breathe in our hearts, breathe in our thoughts. Let us feel you, give us a tangible encounter, Jesus. Let us be carriers of your spirit to the point of overflow where we get to leak out to everybody around us this week. Even if that's through social media or starting up groups or calling and checking on people or going to the places we have to go, God, we just pray that you'll just let us overflow. Fill us up with your spirit right now. Bless you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We'd love for you to to just engage and, and we want to invite you reach out. 
The, the world is in this need of Christ right now. The world is in this need of hope, of this peace. And God is the only one that will give peace beyond understanding and explanation. God is the only true, real, true source of hope. Start up a Facebook group. Start up a, a, a group that you can reach out or a Zoom call or, or something. Just begin to engage in your community and the people that you can reach. Christ has put something in you himself. He is the hope of glory to everybody around you. He loves you so much. You're his dear, cherished child. We can't wait for next week. We've got some pretty big surprises. We, we're going to try to do some things and make it very special for you on Easter and Resurrection Sunday. So we're very thankful for this opportunity. We're going to miss everybody here and our, our photo backdrop and our, our chicks and ducklings and different things that we do traditionally. And, but God is still good. He's still amazing. He's still on the throne. He is still making a way for us. He's still giving us peace. He's still the source of eternity and all eternal things. So we want to just, just let you in on just a few things that are going on. I know Nicole mentioned some, but don't forget prayer this week on Facebook Live and our website, upperroomohio.com forward slash live stream. We'll be prayer and worship Tuesday at 630 also, Nicole and I will continue the midweek gathering from 7 to 8 on Wednesday evening on Facebook Live and our church, the Upper Room Ohio Instagram Live, as well as there's two kids' events that happen weekly. Emily puts out this amazing video Wednesdays at 9, and Emily does Facebook Live Friday at noon. There's also two events coming. Don't forget about the April 18th drive through market, and uh, we need donations, especially those hard-to-find items those disinfectant wipes, hand sanitizers, toilet paper, paper towels, those things can be dropped off Friday, April 17th from 2 to 6. And then the last thing is we are planning still to do, uh, I still do marriage community night May 2nd, and it's going to be a Zoom version, totally free, and uh, we're just going to grow in marriage and grow in connection in our homes and marriages. So we love you. We absolutely miss you, and we hope you have a fantastic week. And be Jesus around you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So God bless you and uh, have an amazing day. We love you.